Caller, how's it hanging in Omaha? Praise Apophis. Ophip, you god of life, you lord of love, all men live when you shine, you are the crown king of the gods. Whoa, slow down, we don't know what you're talking about, man. Of course you don't know. But it was important enough for a Nebraska native to cut his penis and kill four people. This is the story of Nico Jenkins. Warning, what you're about to hear is true. This call will delve deep into actual crimes, including murder, violence, kidnapping, mutilation, and sexual assault. Not suitable for children or the squeamish. Some will find this podcast disturbing and offensive. Listener discretion is strongly advised. Today on Hookswitch Hotline. One of the worst killing sprees in the history of the state and one of the weirdest serial killers in the history of the nation, Nico Jenkins. Nico Allen Jenkins is an American spree killer convicted of committing four murders in Omaha, Nebraska in August of 2013. Jenkins stated that he had committed the killings at the command of an ancient serpent god, Apophis. The murders occurred within a month after he'd been released from prison after serving ten and a half years of the 189 years to which he'd been sentenced for a carjacking committed at age 15 and for assaults committed in prison. In July 2013, 26-year-old Nico Jenkins finally walked out of prison after serving more than ten years on a juvenile carjacking charge. But within just a month of his release, he committed the four murders that now have him awaiting a death sentence. He was found competent to stand trial, found guilty for the four murders, and was sentenced to death in May 2017. Before we get to the murders, let's back up. Jenkins was born in Colorado to parents David A. McGee and Lori Jenkins. Jenkins began a criminal record at age 15 when he was charged with carjacking and aggravated assault. At about 5.01 a.m. on August 11, 2013, a patrol officer discovered two bodies in a white Ford pickup truck parked near a city swimming pool at 18th and F Street in Spring Lake Park, Nebraska. The two victims, identified as Juan Uribe Pena and George C. Cajiga Ruiz, had been shot in the head and their pockets turned inside out. They were lured to meet two women for a sexual encounter. The murder spree began with this random double murder less than two weeks after Nico Jenkins' release from prison on July 30th. On August 19th, around 7 a.m., the body of Curtis Bradford was found outside a detached garage at 18th and Clark Street by a man returning home from a night shift at a convenience store. Investigators arrived to find two bullet wounds in Bradford's back. It was later revealed that Bradford and Jenkins had posed for a Facebook photo posted the day before. Bradford would be the only victim familiar to Jenkins. Jenkins's fourth and final victim, Andrea Kruger, was discovered on August 21st at about 2.15 a.m. by a deputy sheriff responding to a shots-fired call. Kruger had been returning home after a bartending shift near 178th and Pacific Street. Surveillance footage showed her locking up the Deja Vu Lounge at 1.47 a.m. At 6.30 that evening, Kruger's gold 2012 Chevrolet Traverse SUV was found abandoned 12 miles away in an alley at 43rd Street and Charles. Two victims who lived to talk about their 2002 run-ins with the killer also took the stand. Charles Price and Catherine Bright testified Jenkins carjacked each of them in separate incidents. Price testified, I was terrified. Bright, I was scared. The first two murders came on August 11th, when Jenkins randomly shot two strangers, 
Juan Uribe Pena and George C. Cahiga Ruiz. The third victim, Curtis Bradford, died of gunshot wounds in a garage on August 19th and was the only victim that Jenkins actually knew. They'd met in prison. The final victim, Andrea Kruger, died on the street on August 21st after being shot by Jenkins. Police had surveillance footage and ballistics evidence implicating him in the Kruger killing, and when they picked him up on unrelated charges of making terroristic threats on August 30th, he made their job easy and simply started confessing a few days later. The rambling confessions went on for over eight hours. Ultimately, after confessing to the four murders as well, Jenkins broke down in tears as he told detectives that he just wanted treatment for the various mental illnesses he claimed to have had since childhood, illnesses that he also claimed were ignored by the Nebraska Department of Corrections throughout his time in prison. Quote, The Nebraska Department of Corrections is so responsible, he told the detectives. This is equivalent to me being a pit bull that they put off that chain, and whoever it hurt, you're responsible for it, because you knew the danger of the animal, knew the danger that you created in that cell. End quote. He later filed a $24.5 million lawsuit against the state of Nebraska, claiming that they failed to treat his mental illness while he was in prison and released him too early as a juvenile. Here's Strike to detail that. In 1993, a seven-year-old boy showed up at Omaha's Highland Elementary School with a loaded 25 caliber handgun. He was briefly taken from his mother, which was the beginning of two decades in and out of group homes, the Douglas County Youth Detention Center, and eventually state prison. Nico A. Jenkins has spent nearly his entire life in prison. When he finally won his freedom on July 30th, he had acquired a face full of tattoos and a handful of female admirers, each calling herself his wife. Douglas County authorities now accuse him of a killing spree in August that left Jorge Cajia Ruiz, Juan Oribe Pena, Curtis Bradford, and Andrea Kruger dead. Nico Jenkins maneuvered through his freedom by using fear, intimidation, and violence to get what he wanted, Omaha Police Chief Todd Schmatterer said. Jenkins' arrest left people wondering, who is this man with the facial tattoos who's accused of terrorizing the Omaha area for two weeks? According to interviews and court documents, Jenkins was a menace who blamed his violent crimes on mental illness. Other times he was a charmer who wooed women and attempted to sway prosecutors, judges, and even psychiatrists. To this day, Douglas County's sheriff's deputies remember little Nico as barely tall enough to see over a counter in juvenile court. After the gun incident at Highland Elementary, it was just four years until Jenkins was accused of a crime. At age 11, he admitted to stealing on three occasions. That was the last time he was free for any significant period. It was also around then that he stopped regularly attending school, though he later said he completed his GED in prison. At first, the preteen Jenkins was sent to a group home in Papillion, and his actions soon escalated to violence. In 1998, he was kicked out of the home for repeatedly assaulting other children. A probation officer wrote, The latest incident occurred on February 26, 1998, when he used a clothes hanger to hit another minor child, leaving whip marks on this minor. Jenkins was sent to the youth detention center, then soon released to the care of his mother, Lori Jenkins. By the end of the year, the 12-year-old boy was back in the detention center for assaulting someone with a knife. 
Eventually, he had caused so much trouble and run away so many times that his probation was revoked. In August 2001, he was sent to the Youth Rehabilitation and Treatment Center, Kearney. But one year later, he was back in Omaha, and soon he began threatening those around him. His father, David McGee, wrote in court documents that Nico Jenkins has threatened my life and pulled a sawed-off shotgun on me at my own home. Soon after, Nico Jenkins stole two cars at gunpoint. In one incident, he ordered a 21-year-old man out of his black Honda Civic and took off in it. In the second incident, he asked a 20-year-old woman for a ride. When she declined, he got into the back of her 1983 maroon Cadillac DeVille, brandished a shotgun, and told her to drive to 22nd Street and Grand Avenue. There, he ordered her out. For the robberies, Jenkins was sentenced to prison, and the violence didn't end in prison. He was charged twice, once for assaulting a guard while on furlough at his grandmother's funeral, and once for his part in a prison riot. He was also disciplined several times for his tattoo activities, attacking other inmates, gang activity, and fashioning a weapon out of a toilet brush. Once he got out, Jenkins reconnected with his family, his female friends, and a prison buddy, Curtis Bradford. Bradford's family warned him about Jenkins, a relative said, but Bradford wouldn't listen, and he even posted a picture of himself with Jenkins on Facebook the day before he died. He just got caught up in the wrong crowd, the relative said. Friends and relatives say Bradford and Jenkins might have been trying to rob someone the night Bradford was shot in the back of the head. Jenkins attributed his problems to mental illness. He told a psychiatrist of a family history of mental illness and said he first went to a psychiatrist at the former Richard Young Center when he was 8 or 9. He said a Tecumseh State Prison doctor diagnosed him as schizophrenic, bipolar, and obsessive-compulsive. Jenkins tried to enter an insanity plea in several hearings before Douglas County District Judge Gary Randall. At the same time, he consistently told corrections officers and a judge that he wasn't going to take medications for his mental illness. You've chosen not to take those? Randall asked Jenkins at a sentencing hearing in July 2011. Because of the hostile environment that I'm currently living in, Jenkins said, the medication is to basically kill my adrenaline, because when I have my mental breakdowns, I become enraged and I lash out on others. So the medication that they give me, it slows me down and basically puts me in an almost paralyzing, you know, state of mind. Jenkins told the judge that his attack on Tecumseh Corrections Officer was a mental breakdown as a result of my mental disorders. But a psychiatrist evaluating Jenkins' ability to stand trial in 2010 wrote that he believed the inmate was making up at least some of his symptoms. Randall had ordered an evaluation by a Lincoln Regional Center psychiatrist. On July 20, 2010, Dr. Scott Moore met with Jenkins at the Douglas County Correctional Center. He told the doctor that his problems stemmed from abuse. He said he suffered at the hands of family members when he was young. He went on to say that he heard voices from Egyptian gods. That wasn't all, Moore wrote in his report. After a little bit, Jenkins went on to tell me that he was told that he should eat human brains because that is where the pituitary gland was and it would strengthen him to do so. Moore's conclusion? Jenkins was faking it. He said Jenkins seemed to have thought out the symptoms beforehand. If Moore didn't accept Jenkins' symptoms, the inmate would escalate his descriptions, Moore wrote. 
I believe his major diagnosis is antisocial personality disorder, and I doubt the presence of psychosis, Moore wrote. Assistant Public Defender Gary Olson took exemption to that, noting that a nurse at the Douglas County Correctional Center had recommended that Jenkins be transferred to the Lincoln Regional Center. The idea that Jenkins was making up his mental illness, I think, is contradicted by the number, quite frankly, the number of tattoos on his face, Olson said. On April 16, 2014, less than a year after confessing to the killings to detectives, Nico Jenkins pleaded no contest to the charges of first-degree murder. Shortly afterward, court-appointed psychiatrists believed that Jenkins was not competent to stand trial. One clue was that Jenkins performed various self-mutilations while he'd been in custody. An example, in April 2015, he tried to carve the numbers 666 into his forehead, but because he was looking in a mirror while doing so, the numbers came out backward, like upside-down nines. On June 27, 2015, he cut the word Satan into his face and then cut his tongue into a snake-like shape. Then in September 2015, Jenkins told the judge that he was listening to the voice of Apophis when he attempted to cut his penis into the shape of a serpent and did enough damage to require 27 stitches. Despite these episodes, the courts did eventually determine that Nico Jenkins was fit to stand trial, despite the fact that he'd had decades of mental illness problems. Nico Jenkins's legal trouble started when he was just seven, when he was caught bringing a loaded gun to school. By 13, he'd already committed multiple assaults, and by 15, He'd committed two armed carjackings and received a sentence of 21 years. Two victims who lived to talk about their 2002 run-ins with the killer also took the stand. Charles Price and Catherine Bright testified Jenkins carjacked each of them in separate incidents. Price testified, I was terrified. Bright, I was scared. His psychological evaluations suggested his mental problems stem all the way back to that loaded gun incident at age seven, when he'd claimed that the voice of Apophis told him to carry the weapon with him to school. Experts are split as to whether Jenkins actually has diagnosable mental disorders. In 2009, a prison psychiatrist said that he suffered from bipolar disorder, schizophrenia, and possible psychosis. But other psychiatry experts have said that Jenkins is faking all of it so that he can be declared mentally unfit for criminal proceedings. According to Jenkins' wife, Shalanda, he's not faking anything. Quote, he's not pretending to be crazy. He's real life crazy. Nico specifically told me that Apophis gave him orders. It was his voice that came and was just like, if you do what I tell you to do, if you follow my demands, then I'll make sure you're safe and make sure you're okay, end quote. Shalanda also said that her husband had asked for mental help while in prison, which he never received. Quote, I told them not to let him out, she said. He's not ready to come out into society, end quote. He was found competent to stand trial found guilty for the four murders and was sentenced to death in May 2017. Before we get to the murders, let's back up. Jenkins was born in Colorado to parents David A. McGee and Lori Jenkins. Jenkins began a criminal record at age 15 when he was charged with carjacking and aggravated assault. At about 5.01 a.m. on August 11, 2013, a patrol officer discovered two bodies in a white Ford pickup truck parked near a city swimming pool at 18th and F Street in Spring Lake Park, Nebraska. The two victims, identified as Juan Uribe Pena and George C. Cajiga Ruiz, had been shot in the head and their pockets turned inside out. They were lured to meet two women for a sexual encounter. The murder spree began with this random double murder less than two weeks after Nico Jenkins' release from prison on July 30th. 
On August 19th, around 7 a.m., the body of Curtis Bradford was found outside a detached garage at 18th and Clark Street by a man returning home from a night shift at a convenience store. Investigators arrived to find two bullet wounds in Bradford's back. It was later revealed that Bradford and Jenkins had posed for a Facebook photo posted the day before. Bradford would be the only victim familiar to Jenkins. Jenkins' fourth and final victim, Andrea Kruger, was discovered on August 21st at about 2.15 a.m. by a deputy sheriff responding to a shots-fired call. Kruger had been returning home after a bartending shift near 178th and Pacific Street. Surveillance footage showed her locking up the Deja Vu Lounge at 1.47 a.m. At 6.30 that evening, Kruger's gold 2012 Chevrolet Traverse SUV was found abandoned 12 miles away in an alley at 43rd Street, and Charles. On August 30th, 2013, Jenkins was arrested on an unrelated terroristic threats charge. By then, evidence against him had mounted. Investigators had the image of a female associate on surveillance footage at a local gun outlet buying the kind of distinctive ammunition, Brennecke Classic Magnum 12 gauge, commonly known as deer slugs, that had been used to commit the killings. Additional footage had been pulled from cameras along the route to Kruger's abandoned SUV. On the evening of September 3rd, Jenkins confessed to all four murders during a rambling eight-hour interview. Jenkins told police that the acts were sacrifices to Apophis, a deity in the ancient Egyptian religion. He was charged with four counts of murder following the confession. In handwritten letters dated November 3, 2013, submitted to the Omaha World Herald, prosecutors, and a judge, Jenkins said he wished to plead guilty to all counts in the four slangs. On February 19, 2014, Jenkins filed a federal lawsuit seeking $24.5 million from the state of Nebraska for wrongfully releasing him from prison, stating that his claims of hearing voices from Apophis were repeatedly ignored. In the six-page handwritten filing, he stated that being kept in solitary confinement augmented his schizophrenia. He blamed correction officials for the four killings. Jenkins claimed that his problems were caused by mental illness and that he had schizophrenia, bipolar disorder, and obsessive-compulsive disorder, all diagnosed. The judge ordered a psychiatric evaluation, and a psychiatrist concluded that Jenkins had antisocial personality disorder and was faking psychotic symptoms. Despite having scored only 68 on an administered IQ test, Jenkins was declared competent to stand trial and the proceedings against him commenced. On his request, Jenkins was allowed to represent himself at trial under the guidance of advisory attorneys. Throughout the trial, Jenkins maintained that he acts under the command of Apophis. His court romantics included speaking in tongues, howling, and laughing as prosecutors recounted the details of his victims' deaths. On April 16, 2014, Judge Peter Battalion delivered the verdict in the Nico Jenkins murder trial. Thank you for joining us on this episode of Hook Switch Hotline. Please subscribe and come back next week, where we'll delve deep into more graphic true crimes. Here's a clip. You don't realize I got Nico Jenkins? Do you not realize that? I got Nico Jenkins. I got you. What do you mean you got me? I got your DNA at the murder scene. I got your DNA in the car. Sir. I got the weapon. I got Nico Jenkins. I don't need to make I don't care about it. I just want other people that are involved in it. What the hell happened out there? And why? Alright, you know I know who. I know what. I know when. I know where.
And then when I talked to you earlier, saying stuff about a carjacking. That woman's husband and children, that woman's husband is grieving right now. This is not just some psycho killer that just wanted to go trophy. I'm documenting psychiatrically disordered. Mm -hmm. I'm documenting chemically imbalanced. This is a fact. So my point is we're well aware of that. My point is this though. This family didn't deserve this. Right. This could have been prevented had it not been for the Rash Department Corrections doing what they knew what they supposed to have did. And they, they never gave me an opportunity. They never gave me an opportunity for treatment because I wouldn't take the medicine. With every crime, someone somewhere has more information. That someone could be you. Call Hook Switch Hotline with your comment or contribution on an upcoming episode at 415-448-7263.